few key takeaways from Oregon's big win over Hawaii. One of them that I'm thinking about, yeah, I think this defense is better than last year. And I think it can still get better. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Defense, standouts, and Oregon against the rest of the Pac-12 at this point in time as league play looms. With the big showdown against Colorado this week, which should be a highly anticipated affair, uh, shall we say, for many reasons. But I want to start with the defense. The thing that we talked about the most this offseason here on the show. That Dan Lanning got tired of fielding questions about coming into the season at a press conference in, in in fall camp that on paper has improved. And we're wondering, well, is that translating over to the field? The early returns are yes. Are there more tests to come? Yes, absolutely. Is there more improvement for the defense to come? Goodness gracious, I hope so. Because we had nine more penalties yesterday. A couple of them were late in the game and insignificant. A couple of them were rather significant. And if you're having those issues against Hawaii, you're going to have those issues forced by Colorado or Washington or USC or Oregon State because they've got better football players than Hawaii does across the board, who have a couple of good ones, to be sure. But Oregon in this game, I think showed what their defense is capable of. Now, I am not on here saying, oh, so they're going to hold every Pac-12 opponent to, to you know three points when the starters are in? No. We don't know for certain if this is a great Oregon defense. We do know right now it looks better than last year. There, there are a couple ways to kind of assess a defense. The numbers are a part of it. One thing that I wrote about over on on 750 the game in a piece in a piece coming out later today is the eye test because when things look a certain way television is a remarkably powerful thing in the world of sports when when a unit or when a team or when a player looks a certain way on television we all know that expression it pops off the screen and you can tell like you know when you watch film of a high school basketball game. You can see the one Division I player on the court if you're in the state of Oregon, for instance, where you don't have a ton of Division I uh, college basketball talent. Or same thing goes for football. You can tell, right? What we see, trust in our eyes, is often the case. When I look at what I've seen from Oregon's defense this year, what did we want to see? Well, we wanted to see a better front four. I think we're seeing that. The numbers back that up. And I think the eye test backs that up. We also wanted to see more team speed because too many times, most notably in the Washington game, Oregon got beat over the top last year. They look a lot faster to me at all three levels, frankly. That matters the most in the secondary and, and with your linebackers. But everything about the defense to me looks faster, looks more hard hitting, looks more physical. Are there going to be more tests? Absolutely. Here's what we can discern right now based on the three games that Oregon has played. 
Number one, I don't think they would have beaten Texas Tech last year if if it had been the exact same defense on the field. Because I don't think last year's defense racks up four, should, should have been five, but there was a penalty on Texas Tech that we accepted, racks up four sacks and forces four turnovers. I don't think they do that on the road against that Texas Tech team. And when I look at what the defense did this past week against Hawaii, look, it's not a tell-all, but if Oregon's defense is going to be one of the best ones in the Pac-12, how are you supposed to look against a capable group of five passing attack in Hawaii? That's how you're supposed to look. Less than 150 yards, an interception. The starters didn't allow a touchdown. Did not allow a touchdown. If you have a unit that is good enough to be, let's say, top three in the Pac-12 this year in most major categories, yards per game, you know, points per game, all, all that sort of stuff. If you're in the top three, which I think would be a great goal for the Ducks defensively this season to obtain, I don't know if they will obtain it because there are a lot of good quarterbacks in this conference. When you play a team like Hawaii, that's how it is supposed to look. Are there going to be bigger tests? Yes, absolutely. And there are things to clean up, most notably the penalties. I think defensively, Oregon would have put out an even better performance against Texas Tech in which they had, you know, four turnovers and a touchdown, might I add, and a couple of key stops if, they, if they'd if they been able to clean up the penalties. I don't think Texas Tech would have reached 30 points if Oregon had cut their penalty yardage in half, which wouldn't have been good, but still wouldn't have been, you know, 124 yards, which was almost a game-losing disaster. If they had 70 penalty yards in that game, I don't think Texas Tech scores more than 23 points. They might only score 20 points. It's probably 23. They have one touchdown less at least in that football game. So I like what I'm seeing so far. I think the depth on the defensive line is very real. I think the speed in the secondary is better. I think the linebackers are making plays all over the field. And they look fast, they look more comfortable, and they're trusting their reads a lot more. I don't see as much hesitation from these guys as, as we did last year in this kind of sense of, oh, I just you know don't want to be out of position, don't want to get beat, or where am I supposed to be? I see guys making decisive moves. There was something we did against uh, Hawaii's read option that I don't think we did uh, exceptionally well against Texas Tech, and I think was actually an adjustment from that game. When we were expecting a read option, Rather than having the the strong side end or whoever was being left unblocked to be read by the quarterback in that exchange, rather than having him stay home and the linebacker fill, we had the defensive end crash and the linebacker slid around to take the quarterback away. And it worked really, really well. Now, are other teams going to counter and, you know, open up the RPO game? When they see that on film and will there need to be, you know, an adjustment with with the safeties or, or, or corners or somebody, you know, I, I don't know exactly what that adjustment is, but will other teams see that and do something about it? Yes. But when I look at the way the defense is playing, I think they look aggressive. I think they look confident. They're playing well. I don't see as much soft zone coverage as we did a year ago, which leads me to believe the defensive staff trusts the secondary more than they did a season ago. We're forcing turnovers, getting pressure on the quarterback. The team speed looks better. The defense looks better. Now, is it enough? We don't know. We don't know that yet. But through three games, we can say it looks better than last year. We will have a better idea when we play Colorado this week because that passing offense, even without Travis Hunter, is no joke. It is certainly a loss to not have Hunter there for the Colorado offense, but Shador Sanders – 
is an NFL quarterback. If we we should be able to pressure him because Colorado's offensive line has not been great in that department. They haven't been great in general this year. But he's going to put the ball in the air, and it's going to be a test. And if we come out, I mean, that was a Hawaii offense that had been, you know, throwing for well over 300 yards against low level, but power five teams the previous couple of weeks against Stanford and Vanderbilt. And we held him to under, it was like 131 yards, a touchdown and a pick, and the touchdown came against the, you know, third or second stringers or, you know, the non-starters in the game. That was a dominant defensive effort from the Ducks. Was it against Hawaii? Yes. But would you like to see it against Hawaii? Rather than seeing some cracks here and there that might get exacerbated against other teams? Yeah. But we'll have a better idea of just how good the defense can be when we play Colorado this week. If you hold Shador Sanders, we won't. But if we hold him to 130 yards passing, a touchdown and a pick, the defense will have arrived one year before I expected it to. But I think that it's going to be a really, really good barometer uh, this week against Colorado. The offense, by the way, I, I I like the offense. There's there's a lot of things, a lot of things to like about the offense. By the way, this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash locked on college and get on your way to being your best self. Just like the way the offense and the defense and the team in general are trying to be their best selves every single week. That's what you need to be doing, and therapy can help you get there. If you, you know, are just feeling like you're you're stuck in the mud or if your your mind is just too uh, too jumbled, you're thinking too much or you can't, you know, relax, then if if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule most importantly just fill out a brief questionnaire get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if you don't think that particular therapist is working so get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. visit betterhelp.com slash locked on college today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash locked on college for 10 percent off I never take 10% off a second segment sip. If anything, I go 10% more on the second segment sip because more is better than less in that department to give you the best quality show possible. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like, comment, subscribe if you have not already. If you want to talk with me a little bit more and maybe just maybe get a priority mailbag question sent in, you can join the Locked On Ducks subtext, which is uh, in the comments below on YouTube, or if you're listening to the show on podcast, it is in the description. Free to join for a 14-day trial, $5 a month after that. You can talk with me one-on-one and get priority mailbag questions. Otherwise, if you don't want to do that, it's not a requirement. I appreciate all of you. Wherever you're listening to or watching the show, it will continue to be free of charge. Nothing will change. It's just there for those who want it. So, the offense is awesome. I mean, the, the weapons that... Oregon's got here. Uh, by the way, the Chris Hudson situation continues to resemble Byron Cardwell from last year. Um, might just be a guy who's getting forced out. He's good, but he might just be getting forced out of playing time because they're guys who we brought in that are also really good. Uh, Tez Johnson is one of those guys. He is an exceptionally good football player. Um, was the second or first highest graded receiver on PFF from last year. We're seeing why. We, we, we are seeing why Tez Johnson, the running backs, we go three deep. I mean, if any one of those running backs are out for a game this year, I have no qualms. Not that I don't like any of those guys. I love all of them. That's my point. I, I, 
am so confident. Like if Whittington had to miss a game, we're good. If Bucky had to miss a game, we'll be fine. If Jordan James had to miss a game, we can still run the football. Like those three guys are playing all of them at such a high level right now. Um, I, I love what I'm seeing from them. I think the tight ends have been solid. Patrick Herbert's look good. Uh, love the way we got Kenyon Sadiq involved with that fly sweep last week. Uh, man, I loved that. Absolutely loved that because he's that kind of athlete. But deep, versatile, offensive line, kicking butt and pass protection again. Um, JPJ at center, who, <laughs> by the way, hilarious exchange between Jeff Schwartz, who's a great follow, and uh, and and JPJ on Twitter, he's laughing at himself. You know, Bo Nix was rolling left in the red zone, and JPJ was like, "Ah, come on, come on, I'll block the guy." And then he kind of Superman dives forward, but it ends up being like a dead fish lunge, and then he plops down onto the turf, and he didn't really hit a guy, but he kind of got in his way, and then Bo just scampered out of bounds for like three or four yards. Uh, it's a really, really funny video, and JPJ had some fun with it because he's an awesome guy. So uh, shout out to Jackson Powers Johnson, who's our starting center, and I mean, that guy is looking really, really good at, at that position, and that's not an easy thing. Going from guard, you know, right guard to left guard or guard to tackle, that's one thing. Going from guard to center, that's a big change, and he has been outstanding. I haven't seen a single bad snap. The protection's been great. Bo's got all day to throw. It's It's been uh, fantastic. So uh, Tez Johnson in the offensive line, definitely a couple of the standouts that, that I had uh, jotted down from my notes from last week. Another one, individually on defense. I was talking about the defensive line earlier and how much better they look and how much more physical they look. Popo Amavai was in 2021, along with Brandon Dorless, I believe on PFF, the highest graded interior defensive lineman in the Pac-12 he looks like he is right back into that form because he's had a sack each of the last two weeks. And and he is the rare guy who is a defensive tackle, a true defensive tackle that can really get after the passer. You know, Dorless is kind of a back and forth and I think better as a defensive tackle, but he can line up at end. Popo Amavai is a true de- defensive tackle, nose tackle, whatever you want to call it. He can go anywhere, you know, as long as, he, as long as he is along the interior. Man, he looks fast. He looks explosive. He looks good. I mean, everything about him. He had a sack and a TFL. Uh, that's tackle for loss, of course, against Hawaii. And he, he was one of the reasons that I was optimistic that this defensive line would be better. I said Jordan Birch, Mateo Uyunglele and Popo Amavai to supplement Brandon Dorless, Casey Rogers, and Taki Taimani, who have all also been really, really good this season. I think that's a stronger unit than what you had last year, where you know you had Braden Swinson, Trevin Maai, and, uh, and, and DJ Johnson as regular players on the defensive line. I think this unit is better than those three when you talk about you know the newcomers on the defensive front compared to what you had last year with some quality returners. So um, I, I, I love what I'm seeing out of Popo. Really, really love it. And that's a big thing for Oregon. Like the, the fact that we could go four across with guys who can consistently um, do a good job of generating pressure from the interior or exterior, I think is outstanding. Like put, you could put Popo and Dorless on the interior, Birch at one end and Mateo at the other. I think that's your best lineup of pass rushers. And those those are some really, really good football players. And then you rotate in guys like Casey Rogers and uh, Taki Taimani has been a beast against the run. I've been 
paying attention to him this year because I thought he was okay but not great last year. He was really good against Texas Tech. He and Dorless made that stop against Tyler Shuck on fourth down. And, and and PFF agrees, by the way, that he's graded very well against the run. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing there along the defensive front. But Popo is the biggest standout. Jordan Birch, shout out to the South Carolina transfer, former five-star recruit, got his first sack with the Ducks. Uh, he's had some other moments of creating pressure, but had his first sack, will not be the last one for sure. Um, Bryce Betcher. Look, I, I thought that when he stood out in the spring game, he was one of my big standouts because he played so well. He was playing safety in that game, by the way. And when I saw that, I thought, well, you know, he plays baseball, so he's probably just having a good spring game and good for him, and maybe he'll be on special teams or something. But that guy is everywhere, making a play on special teams, by the way. <laughs> Laid out a, uh, a Hawaii return man on, on Saturday. That was awesome. But I tell you, he looks fast. He looks explosive. They sent him on blitzes. I, I mean, I have been pleasantly surprised by what we've seen from him. Um, still have not seen Justin Jacobs play. I think that's part of the reason an opportunity has been created here. But I like what I'm seeing from the entire defense outside of the penalties, which have to be cleaned up and exist. Uh, you know, a couple late hits from Brandon Dorless and then some pass interference calls in the secondary. Um, I, I Oh, by the way, don't sleep on Mace Funa, who is... Uh, an experienced player and really, really solid at the edge position for the Ducks. I, I just like what they have on on that defensive line. And I mean, Betcher has been, I think, the most pleasant surprise of the defense in 2023 to this point. And he's just, he just he's everywhere. And he's a guy who's just willing to put his body on the line. He plays the way a linebacker should. He wants contact. He wants to hit people. He, he steps onto the field and he wants to just hit somebody. But I think he's a very smart football player uh, as well. So he's definitely one of one of the standouts there. And then another standout from the game, I'd be remiss if I did not point out. No, it's not Camden Lewis, uh, who continues to just look rock solid and be confident. And I continue to admire from afar as a former middle school kicker myself. Um, (laughs) Ross James only had two punts on Saturday. What do you think his per punt average was? I'm going to I'm going to wait for 5 seconds. So we're going to have 5 seconds of silence here and I'm going to give you a moment to guess. Obviously you won't be able to guess it back to me in real time as I record this show, but you can just know whether or not you're right and see how close you get. So, what do you think Ross James's per punt average was on Saturday? 5 seconds, ready, set, go. Time's up. 51 yards a punt. Oregon in 2022 was last in the Pac-12 in punting average. And Ross James, they brought him in, or uh, they brought in Luke Dunn, rather, who I think we all kind of thought would be the punter, but Ross James is out here channeling his inner Jackson Rice because I don't know the last time Oregon had a punter with two punts that averaged 51 yards. But that is a tremendous help to the defense when you can have a team start at their own 20 instead of at their own 30 or 35. Turns out those two things go hand in hand. And that's going to come into play at some point if and probably when we have to punt against Colorado. Hopefully it won't be too frequent, but... 
It matters. It does. It's not flashy. It's not sexy. It's not offense. It's not a sack guy. It's not an interception. But I looked at that per punt average and thought, that's a noticeable upgrade from last year. And that helps the defense in a big, big way. I'll have a few more standouts on uh, on tomorrow's show once I go back and kind of uh, study it a, a bit more. But you uh, you can be out there studying how to get better in the non-alcoholic beer game with Athletic Brews. So much like uh, Tez Johnson was just exhilarating on the 49-yard touchdown, just like that in the blink of an eye, like Thanos can snap his fingers on Saturday against Hawaii. He changed the game and kind of set the tone there by by making it very clear, okay, this is how this is going to go down. Well, that's what Athletic Brewing has done in the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. I, I have gotten uh, a bunch of cans in my fridge. I don't have as many as I used to because I keep drinking them. They're really, really good. They beat out award or they beat out full strength beers in global competitions. They're great tasting. They're award winning, fit for all times. No alcohol, no hangovers. You don't have to deal with any of that. No hangovers ever, but you still get the great taste. And they do taste quite good. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code Locked On to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All right, let's wrap up today's show with a mailbag question, which, again, you can always be a part of YouTube comments or on Twitter. If you want a priority mailbag question, that puts you right to the top of the list as to when I will answer it here on the show. And you want to talk with me one-on-one, you may do so, as some of you have chosen to do via subtext. Link is in the description below here on YouTube or wherever you're listening to or watching this show. This from uh, Jake Stakes CFB. All right. After seeing two, this is now three weeks, he sent this question in on Friday, of Pac-12 football, where do you see Oregon finishing in the pack? This is a really hard question to answer because there are teams that we think we know things about but aren't certain. So Oregon State, for instance, has looked like a good football team through through three weeks. I think they are a good football team. And much like Oregon against Hawaii, when playing inferior competition, they have looked the way that they should. They were actually kind of sloppy on Saturday against San Diego State, which is not a great Mountain West team right now. But guess what? They still won by multiple possessions. That's what good teams do. Don't play your best football. Your opponent is outmatched. You still beat them by a couple scores. Week one against San Jose State, they're a much better football team. They housed them. Week two against UC Davis, FCS opponent, 55-7. to Now, that's an indicator that, yes, this is a good football team, but do we know how good? Do we know what they can actually do in the Pac-12 championship conversation? No. I don't think that we do because until I see it against a Pac-12 team, frankly, or any Power 5 team, I struggle to get on the hype train fully. Is Oregon State capable? Yes, we know that from last year. And DJU is a massive upgrade at quarterback from what they had a season ago with Ben Goldbranson. But I don't quite know what Oregon State is. I'll have a better idea when they play Washington State this weekend. If they go up there and beat them by 10 points, I will know. Yep, 
that Oregon State team is every bit as good as we thought because Wazoo is a good football team, one that I will continue to remind Oregon fans we cannot look or overlook in week eight when they come to Hudson Stadium the week after uh, we play Washington on the road. So I also look at a team like Washington and say, okay, they played two G5s, they housed them. Played Michigan State, threw the ball all over the field. Michigan State's a really, really bad Power 5, but still a Power 5 team. Washington, to me, looks like a team that is the exact same as a year ago. And Oregon, to me, looks like a team that's improved from a year ago. Now, Oregon outplayed Washington for 3.9 quarters of last year's game and then ended up losing, but Washington was good enough to do that, and we have to go to Seattle this year. USC is, I think, a slightly better version of last year's team. Their defense actually over the last couple of games, they had a bye this week, looked better than last year. But again, it's against inferior competition in Nevada and Stanford there, so we don't really know for sure. Utah is Utah. I know exactly what Utah is. I also know that Oregon's capable of beating Utah because we beat them with Cam Rising last year and played what our, our Locked On Utah's JT Wistersill described as Cam Rising's worst game as a Utah quarterback. Oregon's defense forced that. I know that we're capable of beating them, of playing with them. We have to go on the road, though. So I say all this to say those are the contenders in my view. Oregon, Washington, USC, Oregon State, and Utah. I don't buy into UCLA. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. And I think there are a lot of great teams. I caught that mute, that mute button on my mic just in time before I sneezed. Um, I don't think that UCLA is a great team. I think they could be pretty good. I think they're a solid team, but I don't think that they are great. Though their front four is very good, I just think their quarterback situation is, eh, they're just okay. I think UCLA and Colorado are pretty similar. Good, but there's a ceiling. Um, so when I look at Oregon and where the other Pac-12 contenders are, I need a little bit more information on USC, who hasn't played anybody. I need a little bit more information on Oregon State. But the other schools, it's a toss-up across the board, which is why I've long thought the Pac-12 would miss the playoff this year, because everyone's really good. And I don't see a dominant team in this conference. I see a lot of good teams in this conference. I see a lot of really good teams in this conference. I know what Washington is capable of. I know what Oregon is capable of. I know what Utah is capable of. And I just have a couple questions about the other two that I need to see to confirm what I believe about them. So Oregon's capable of beating any of those teams. They're capable of losing to any of those teams. Not because the Ducks are missing a bunch of pieces because we don't have the right system or the right coach or the right quarterback or anything like that, but because those other teams are also really, really good. I talk about this in recruiting all the time when, uh, you know, people send me a question frustrated about, man, why didn't we get this kid? You know, I thought we had the money. I thought we did this. Like, we're not the only ones trying here. We're not the only ones that are capable of winning football games, making good offers to recruits, putting together a good team. For a while, it kind of felt that way sometimes. It was like Oregon, Stanford, and, you know, a bunch of other good but not great teams. Now there's a bunch of great teams in the pack. And, I really think it can go either way. Oregon is more than capable of winning the Pac-12 this year. If they don't get to the Pac-12 championship game, to me, that's a disappointing season. That's my barometer for success. And that begins in earnest this week with Colorado, which we'll be talking about all week 
Shoot me your questions on Twitter or on YouTube or join the subtext if you want priority mailbag questions in there. That link again in the description below. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.